Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, May 12th, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. On the podcast this week, we take one last look at the legislative session, albeit a look forward this time. Iowa and Iowa State student-athletes being investigated for sports betting. Boyd, the proposal from one of the Republican presidential candidates. And the main caucus card for this weekend, DJT versus RDS. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. With me this week, our Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief, Tom Barton. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Aaron. We have Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief and East Village Insider, Caleb McCullough. Hello, Caleb. Hello, Aaron. I now know where to get my afternoon Mountain Dew, thanks to Caleb. Uh, Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal is here. Hello, Jared. Staying in your podcast silo and not listening to the On Iowa Politics podcast isn't going to make it go away. Anderson Cooper getting subtweeted here on the podcast. I love it. <laughs> and finally, we have Gazette columnist Todd Nordman. Hello, Todd. Hello. All right. First up this week, we take one last look back. Well, I guess technically a look forward at the Iowa legislature. The 2023 session has wrapped, and we talked plenty about that on last week's podcast, so if you missed it, check that out. Uh, But before we finish waving goodbye to the Senate and House chambers until next January, let's take a look ahead to that moment when the gang of 150 returns for the 2024 session. Uh, Tom, you put together a story that explores which topics that went unresolved this year could wind up back on the legislative agenda next year, uh, especially, obviously, for majority Republicans. Uh, Give us one or two topics that you uh, think you consider to be stone cold locks for legislative consideration in 2024. Yeah, so uh, one of the stone cold blocks that uh, I think um, we're going to see come back up um, next year in the 2024 session is the hands-free driving bill, um, which uh, keeps getting batted around in in the state house, um, and um, you know seems to near the finish mark, and, and this year it seems to um, gain some momentum um, only for them to uh, hit the brakes on it. Um, so just to, um, I guess, refresh people about um, this bill, um, it's been discussed, talked about um, in the state legislature um, ever since uh, lawmakers banned texting while driving back in 2017, um, I believe. Um, So this is legislation um, that would um, ban handheld use of mobile devices while while driving. You could only um, use, um, you know, hands-free or voice-activated features um, uh, when you're using um, a mobile device while you're you're driving in your car. Um, You know, proponents talk about um, kind of the uh, increase in um, traffic um, uh, collisions and um, uh, fatalities and increase in in distracted driving, and that um, this bill is a way to um, try and reduce the number of distracted drivers on Iowa roads. Um, you know, they talk about how the existing texting while driving ban is difficult to enforce because drivers can say that they're making a call or using um, the device's um, GPS, the navigation function, um, which is still allowed under Iowa law. Um, 
so um, I've, I've talked to um, lawmakers um, on uh, both sides and um, in, in the in the House and in the Senate, and they say that you know this remains a priority for them. This this remains something that um, they're going to um, continue to, to to bring up and, and try and push forward. Yeah, that um, <laughs> you you framed it right and put a finer point on it. That law they've been public safety you know police uh, has basically been pushing for that since about five seconds after the texting while driving ban <laughs> asked uh they immediately said yeah thanks but this is unenforceable um and the pushback that we hear in in, in from uh within especially the uh house republican caucus is the concerns about it does that go too far does it make it so police can pull you over for, for any, uh, you know, whatever they want and say they're pulling you over for distracted driving. So that's what, that's, what's kept it from getting across the finish line. So yeah, that'll be interesting. I, 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 this is my apparent, I, I've realized this about myself. I'm dying to anoint something as the next bottle bill. Now that the <laughs> bottle bill has been passed and I, here's another candidate. I wonder if uh, distracted driving is the next bottle bill. Yep, yep. Um, and um, another um, issue that um, I don't know if I can call it a, a stone cold lock, um, but um, behind the counter birth control, um, you know, Governor Reynolds um, saw, you know, nearly all of her um, priorities um, pass this session in um, one form or another, except um, for this one. So this proposal didn't um, didn't make it through the session. Um, it would allow pharmacists to dispense birth control without a prescription. Um, the governor first introduced the proposal in um, 2019 um, and uh, has, has said that she plans to revisit the topic um, next session. Um, I also spoke with Representative uh, Ann Meyer, Republican from Fort Dodge, who chairs the House Health and Human Services Committee, and um, she echoed the governor saying that that this remains a, a priority for her. Um, but um, the um, opposition to it, I guess, um, is is interesting. Um, you have um, uh, Pulse Life Advocates, which is an anti abortion organization that was registered um, opposed to the bill, um, arguing that uh, hormonal contraceptives are uh, associated with some health risks and arguing that um, it could be used as um, an abortive drug. Um, House Speaker uh, Pat Grassley, um, speaking to reporters on uh, the last day of session, said that um, the proposal uh, faces an uphill climb, but it's an issue that the legislature should continue to uh, engage in, in that conversation. Um, the um, uh, Senate um, Majority Leader uh, Jack Whitford, uh, Republican from Grimes, said that the pro proposal has now, um, I think, twice passed the Senate and is is obviously something that um, that his caucus supports and um, said that, um, you know, there's always next year to continue to, to work on that. Although, um, I guess, with the um, recent news, I think, this week um, coming out of the, the FDA about giving approval for um, over-the-counter birth control, you know, that you know, potentially could kind of, um, you know, render that issue moot or, or you know, kind of, um, you know, kick the legs out from 
from from needing to to I guess do something on that in the in the legislature. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. That just that news just broke within the last couple of days here, if if I remember right. Yeah, so uh, yeah. that that that's about the only thing that keeps it, that from being a stone cold lock. Because as you mentioned, otherwise everybody that we talked to, including Governor Reynolds on Iowa Press, um, a shameless plug, catch my story, watch the show over the weekend, um, said that she planned to come back and, and revisit that. But that but that's a great point, uh, Tom. Um, that 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 could um, put a wrinkle in that. Um, anybody else that uh, uh, anything that y'all are looking for that you expect to to come up? Uh, and, and again, uh, if you haven't, check out Tom's story that he's got a few more topics in there. But I wanted to uh, open it up in case anybody else has something that they're watching for uh, next session. It's more it's it's a little bit broader, but I, I got to think there's going to be some more uh, education legislation coming down the pike. At some point, I, I can't think they're just going to call it quits on that after after this session. I think that's fair. I think that's a that's a good point. Uh, the only other thing I throw out there, and it, it, it's going to continue to be a, 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 a debate, a, a discussion. Um, I don't know whether you know they will actually um, advance anything, but. Um, uh, restricting um, the use of eminent domain by yeah. uh, companies that are looking to build these carbon capture pipelines. You know, they didn't they didn't pass um, legislation this session, but it continues to be a um, a heated and controversial issue, um, especially as um, the you know Iowa Utilities Board um, you know looks to. Um, to to weigh in and, and and take up the issue about you know granting permits for for these projects um you know there's there's a question whether um given the timing of the uh, permitting process and 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 how fast or, or you know when these companies are looking to to move forward with, with construction um and just looking again at that approval process you know whether there's a window for lawmakers to act but it's certainly something that is continue to is going to continue to be an issue um at the at the state house yep Yep, that's well said. That was the other one I was going to say. So that's perfect. All right. I think that finally, officially, completely puts to bed the 2023 legislative session here on the podcast. Other than I'm sure these bills, that some of these bills that were passed this session are so huge, there's going to be news that comes out of those as these laws are being implemented. Um, but as for the session itself, uh, I think we can uh, put that one in the rearview mirror. Um, Moving on, this past week, my two journalism lives collided when I was asked to help with some reporting on investigations into allegations that dozens of student-athletes at Iowa and Iowa State have placed bets on sporting events. That would, at the very least, be a violation of NCAA rules, and depending on certain circumstances, could also violate state law, which is why the state's Racing and Gaming Commission, as well as its Division of Criminal Investigation, have gotten involved. Uh, Todd, uh, Iowa's sports betting law was passed in 2019. Was this kind of thing avoidable or was this in inevitable now in this new world of legalized sports gambling in so many states, including Iowa? Well, when I, when I first heard, you know, just some snippets of reporting, I thought, oh, Lord, they caught Brian Ferentz betting the under all last year. <laughs> So I thought that was kind of going to be the basis of it. Maybe some other offensive players 
that you know knowing the low octane offense they maybe decided to make a little scratch but <laughs> yeah it it's uh it was inevitable i mean you set up a system where you can basically just put an app on your smartphone and bet on all the sports you want to with with relative ease uh as we know the you know the young folks they they live on the phones and even some of us older folks also but uh yeah i mean you know you can put rules in place and if everybody follows the rules then it's okay but you know how rules and laws go people don't follow them that's why we have prisons and jails and courts <laughs> because that doesn't always work out so well but you know it, i think you know the good news is that gaming racing and gaming commission has found that that there was no you know point shaving no one threw any games this wasn't about uh this this was this didn't endanger the competitive integrity of any of the sporting events so uh in that way it's you know we're not we're not talking about i guess the black Sox, but yeah. uh you know but these rules i mean and also the rules are fairly broad it, it seems that student athletes are, are just not supposed to bet on sports period, whether it be mm -hmm. their sport or any sport or pro sports or, and so I mean, when you, yeah, when you cast the net that, can't, yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, they literally can't even, you can't be in a fantasy football league that, yeah. that involves money. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get it. They might want to consider that because when you cast that broad a net, you're going to catch a lot of people. Uh, but you know, yeah, it, it wasn't avoidable. It was inevitable. We've set up the yeah. system and it's easy to play and, and a lot of people are doing it and to expect kids to, who are athletes and who are very interested in sports to sort of not get involved in something like that, I think is sort of naive, but if it's limited to what we've, what we know now, I guess that's not, you know, as severe as it could be. Although I've heard the term tip of the iceberg thrown around a lot this week. So I guess we can, we can well, see if that, if that's actually the case. Well, and that'll be interesting because, you know, tip of the iceberg, the iceberg may not be even more egregious violations. It may just be how widespread this is. And, and, and I say that with the intent of making the point that, um, it seems highly unlikely that this is only happening in Iowa, right? I mean, oh, yeah. this, this is a big case involving Iowa and Iowa State. If we think that's the only place uh, this is happening anywhere across the country, um, that, that seems a bit uh, uh, unlikely. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see yeah. how widespread this is. Well, and, and, and when, it, you know, when it really could get bad is if you've got people on the outside who are betting, mm -hmm. who then try to funnel money to athletes to get certain outcomes and things like that. I mean, that's, you know, obviously as, as old as sports, but mm -hmm. uh, with the technology, it's, I mean, the good thing about the technology is that's probably how they knew some of this was happening because, right. you know, you're leaving a digital footprint anytime you do this stuff. So, well, and these, because of the way they're set up, because it's a state by state, um, situation where the, where you can legally gamble these apps 
literally have geo tracking in them yeah. so they know whether you're in a place that it's legal to place a bet so the side effect of that is they know where you are so if you're on the university of iowa uh football complex <laughs> plays in a bet yeah. uh, that's gonna get flagged and if all of a sudden a bunch of them uh that's gonna get an even bigger flag and that's gonna draw some attention so um uh, yeah the technology is is good for its stated reasons and then it has some <laughs> effect beyond even beyond that so as yeah. um go ahead jerry as someone who's who's basically a, a college sports uh atheist i find so much of this stuff really really funny because you know for years the things people who like college basketball or college football more than the pro games would say is that these kids are doing it for the love of the game. And, you know, now <laughs> they're able to profit off their likeness as they should. And there yeah. are teams getting it into betting scandals, just like in the pro game. So I, I, I don't know what the, what the differences <laughs> are uh, at this point, other than quality of play. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Although I would say if, if you had someone who, was saying that to you, that person probably hates the current landscape of college athletics. I, I doubt they have embraced. Oh, 100%. In, in I, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll just say this. We're getting on a tangent here, but I, I, I have to make this point on that. Um, the current situation is obviously a mess, but the previous system was a mess and unfair either. The, 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 the difference now is the kids can make, the money too, instead of just the coaches, you know, in the, under the old system, the coaches were raking in millions upon millions of dollars and the kids got none of that. Now the kids are getting money too. Uh, that's no good for a lot of reasons, but it's at least a little more fair, I guess. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it's amazing too. And, and again, I apologize for taking this down a tangent. Some of the dollar amounts that are out there in this name, image, image and likeness stuff. Uh, we just saw, a, and I can't remember the kid's name of one of the transfers. And he said one of the reasons he picked the school that he transferred to is because he was able to get a six figure deal that he wasn't getting from other. I mean, these kids are literally going to make less money once they get to the pros, some of them, and on their rookie contracts. My goodness. Oh, the wild, wild west. All right. Well, that's obviously a story too that uh, is is interesting and 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 is going to last. These investigations take forever, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, 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 comes of that. And if anything interesting um, comes of it down the road, we'll talk about it again in a future co- uh, podcast. Let's get uh, on to the caucus campaign trail now. What we're really here for, um, man. This isn't one, so I apologize. I, I've got the spelling down because that's my primary job, but I haven't pre- practiced the pronunciation yet, so I apologize if I brutalize this. Vivek Ramaswamy was one of many Republican presidential candidates in Iowa this week. Um, so sidebar, did I, did I do that right? Is that, was that close? Uh, I learned last night Vivek is his first name. I think Ramaswamy, yeah. Okay, okay, good to know. Ramaswamy, yep. Good to know. All right. So anyways, candidate Ramaswamy held uh, uh, a trip or held an event last night in suburban Des Moines where he unveiled a very interesting proposal that Americans from 18 to 24 years old would be allowed to vote only if they first either serve in the military, work as an emergency responder, or pass a civics test. 
Caleb, the fact that you, a young man not yet 25 years of age, covered this event for us was just absolutely delicious to me. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, how was the proposal received at the event you covered? Yeah, I mean, luckily, um, I'll be 25 by the 2024 election, oh, so okay. my well, prefrontal go. cortex will be fully developed to make the right decision. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it was it was received surprisingly or not surprisingly well um when he you know first started to announce it i think that there was some hesitation um this was something that had been reported uh the day before yeah. but i think i'm sure a lot of those people in the in the room hadn't heard that before so you know i he he started saying i want to uh you know support an amendment to raise the voting age to 25 and and you know at that point i i feel like i even heard a couple like uh like uh, like people were like you know this is interesting um, and then as he kind of explained, but, you know, if you, uh, uh, if you have, you know, meet these requirements, you, you, um, you, you can, you know, vote. Um, I think people kind of warmed up to it. The, the audience was, um, I would say definitely mostly people over 45, you know, skewed older, but there was a good crop of also people 18 to 30 there. Um, and, you know, when, when he brought up specifically the idea of passing a civics test for those ages, um, the audience seemed to like that idea. Specifically, he said the, um, the U.S. citizenship test. No. Um, and, and then I did talk to some, uh, some youths afterwards and uh, a couple of brothers from the area who were 19 and 20. Um, and they were, they were hesitant about the idea, um, but not, not totally against it either. Um, mm. They said, you know, they thought that it was thought provoking and that, you know, the idea of requiring, um, which is not a new idea but requiring a, um, a test of your kind of civic knowledge to vote was interesting, but they were worried about, um, you know, how that would affect, affect getting young people involved in Republican politics and getting young people engaged to go out and vote. Um, and also, you know, one of them said, you know, if some people in that age or the people in that age range need to, you know, display their civic knowledge, why shouldn't everybody need to pass this test to vote, um, which is also another um, question about that, right? And, you know, with a constitutional amendment um, needing either two-thirds of the states or two-thirds of Congress to agree to that, you do have to wonder how serious of an idea this is. I, I don't think that that threshold would ever be met, but, you know, Ramaswamy says he's very serious about it, and he thinks, you know, he, he said he thinks it will unite uh, the country and that, you know, even college age uh, Republicans in that age range, once they think about it and hear about it, would support it. So uh, we will, I guess we'll have to see. I, I think he may be half right there. I think that his proposal is going to largely unite 18 to 24 year old voters. Uh, it, it may not be in the direction he's expecting though. So, so you brought up a great point and I want to raise this and, and, and anybody who has a thought on this, as you said, this is clearly not something that's ever actually going to happen uh, because it, it just of the procedural um, requirements to, to amend the Constitution, the level of support something would need. And, and I, I just would be spectacularly shocked if, if there was anything close to that level of support across the country for something like this. So then the question is, why um, introduce this proposal? The easiest answer seems to be, hey, this will get some headlines and, and get my name out there. But that's not always a good thing, right? I mean, Todd, do you have any, you've been around these things and seen candidates try to throw stuff out there to get their names. But this just, see, I mean, and especially when we've seen what's happened with young voters in recent elections. I mean, we saw what happened in the Wisconsin Supreme Court election and how young voters drove that uh election 
um, in the Democrats' direction, I, th- something like this that just seems like it's going to alienate that block even more for someone who's extremely unlikely to be the party's candidate. It seems like it. I don't know. I'll be well, polite and say a really interesting uh, move to make. You know, it, it's it's part and parcel of the the argument that you know on the Republican side that you hear often that. You know, these young voters, they don't know anything. They're a bunch of lazy socialists eating avocado toast and living with their parents and all of the different stereotypes that the Gen Zers get heaped upon them. Uh, But, you know, I'm not sure you can really be bullish about the future of a political party that's basically made one of its core principles that we're no longer going to try to convince anyone that our ideas are the best. What we're going to do is we're going to go out and try to keep people who don't support us from voting. I mean, we're not going to try to convince them about tax cuts or any of this stuff. We're just going to make it really tough for them to vote and hope we can just scrape together enough votes and enough key states in the electoral college to snatch the presidency, even if we lose the popular vote. I mean, that's that's not a party with a with a with a great future. And this is part of that is that they're targeting. I mean, you've, you've seen other places in the country where they're thinking about legislation where they're not going to let college students vote because, you know, that might, they might be Democrats. And so Democrats are, are dangerous to Republican aspirations. So the the fewer of them there are, the better. And we've seen all the other voting restrictions that have been placed on ways that democratic leaning voters generally like to vote. So this is all part of that. And it's, you know, it's, it's, he's playing on the idea that, among older Republicans that, you know, these, these kids today, they just, they just don't get it. They, they just don't understand America. They're, you know, so it's, it's, they're it's woke. that sort of thing. They're, they're woke. They're yeah. Woke. They're woke. And they're, you know, they're, they're, and yeah, also, go ahead. Yeah. That, that, and that was essentially um, his argument. And, and, you know, he didn't say directly young people vote for Democrats, so they shouldn't vote, but he said, essentially that, you know, there are too many young people in this country that, you know, don't value their American citizenship, don't, aren't proud to be American. And so they need, they should, you know, have skin in the game, essentially. And I mean, you know, you can take argument isn't, with any portion of that. Isn't um, voting putting skin in the game? Right. And and I would say that you don't necessarily need to be, being proud to be an American isn't a requisite for voting either, but, but you know, it's, 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 it's the argument. I, I think that one um, reason uh, for the proposal, and I think it's kind of part of his, um, his campaign strategy and his ethos is just that he is, I think, I think his goal is to throughout these, you know, pretty outlandish ideas, you know, especially including at this event, he talked about um, his other ideas about abolishing the Department of Education, using um, the U.S. military to uh, essentially uh, bomb and and airstrike the Mexican drug cartels in a similar way to the war on terror, uh, things like that, that, you know, no other, you know, it's, I I can see those things being uh, uh, supported by um, some wing of the conservative, um, you know, uh, the, the Republican Party, but these are things that no other Republican candidate are, is saying, and so it's kind of gives him his own little niche that um, you know he can try to drum up support for. That, that well, that's I think part of part of it. And I've heard him referred to as like a, you know, a Republican intellectual right, or something yeah. like that. It's like we've had presidential candidates since the '80s talk about 
getting rid of the Department of Education. It's a nice applause line, but then you get into the office and you figure out, oh, it kind of does stuff. So we probably can't get rid of it. You know, well, you know, Rick Perry tried to had that whole list of departments he was going to get rid of and he couldn't remember all of them and said, oh, was was education the one that he forgot Uh, or was that energy? There I think was, it was it was energy. I think it was energy. Because then that was the uh, one that turned around and made him. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think dropping bombs on stuff is necessarily a, you know, an intellectual revelation, uh, from a political candidate. And plus, if we've learned nothing from the Jack Ryan books, you do that on a much lower key under the radar. Well, yeah, um, exactly. Like, uh, so, I mean, like we're not I, already blowing up cartel stuff clandestinely. And I'm just to finish. I mean. You know, it, it he's, I mean, it, it's, it's just more of this kind of stuff that, you know, you can't do unless you just decimate democratic norms and ignore Congress and all of these things. I mean, he's talking about go, going farther basically than Trump in, you know, ruling by edict. And I mean, it, it just, you know, I, and that's the thing. You just have to keep doubling down on Trumpism to get to get attention. And that seems to be what he's doing. So I I saw this proposal and it immediately made me think of a few proposals from folks who ran in 2020, actually. Most specifically, it reminded me of the John Delaney pitch to have a mandatory national service plan. Um, and it was it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the organizing principle of his entire campaign. But, you know, it was an idea that that set him apart, like Caleb kind of talked about. And Delaney dropped out three days before the Iowa caucuses. And then my mind also drifted to to Tom Steyer, who really made term limits his thing in the 2020 mm-hmm. Democratic primary. And he won zero delegates. And then <laughs> my, my brain kept floating just, you know, a little bit more. And I thought of Andrew Yang and the way that he made universal basic income um, the big thing in his campaign in 2020 and he got uh less than half a percent of the overall popular vote um and i'm not necessarily saying that ramaswamy is going to do as poorly as those guys because i'm not a horse race guy but you know typically it's not the front runner in an election yeah. who's making these kinds of pitches and yep. uh and proposals yeah. <clears throat> yeah that's a great point great context that's spectacular well done jared all right uh moving on but staying in the caucus uh circus uh finally this week on the show we talk about the big showdown for saturday donald j trump and ron DeSantis, the perceived and usually polling leaders uh, in the republican presidential primary both are in iowa this weekend trump is holding a rally in des moines on saturday evening and DeSantis has two events in Iowa on either side of the state, one in Cedar Rapids and the other in Sioux Center. Right, Jared? Yeah. OK. Um, and so depending on when you're listening to this podcast, by the way, uh, we'll probably be up around Friday afternoon sometime. Um, but depending on when you're catching this, either we're giving you a nice preview or maybe these events have already happened in your world. And, and we sound silly, but we're going to plug ahead anyways. Um we, and and we probably all have some thoughts on this one. If for no reason, then most of us are going to be uh, covering these events in one form or the other. Um, but let me start with you, uh, Jared. Uh, you've got um, Ron DeSantis coming your way for an event with uh, Congressman Randy Feenstra. Um, what are you going to be watching for as you cover uh, DeSantis in Western Iowa on Saturday? 
Um, well, one thing I'm definitely going to be looking for is uh, endorsements. I want to see if any more come in either before or after the event. You know, yesterday we had um, the Iowa Senate president, uh, Amy Sinclair, and then uh, Matt Winshittle, the uh, Iowa House Majority Leader, both uh, endorsed DeSantis for 2024, even though he still hasn't officially declared. So I don't know how that endorsement works other than they're endorsing him as just like a great guy and a, a great governor or something maybe um and yeah. then i i am also curious to hear from the actual folks at the event when i covered you know trump in sioux city in november and i asked them about the the primaries they were pretty resolute that it's trump over everyone else in the primary for them and i really want to know how many primary voters here in our part of the state have the same sort of passion for DeSantis because that kind of fervency is what powers, you know, primary winners. And I, I want to know how many of them are resolute that, yeah, it's DeSantis and, and no one else for me, or it's DeSantis by a mile for me over Trump. I'll be interested to hear um, how many people that's the case for. And then, or, you know, or I'm, I'm still waiting to hear from both before I make up my mind. Yeah. I mean, that, that says something too. If, if the majority of the people I'm talking to are still, a little bit, you know, we're getting closer and closer. It still seems like it's a ways away, but we're getting closer and closer. And we kind of know who both of these guys are now in terms of the, the front runners. So, um, and then just from DeSantis himself, um, I would expect to probably tout the legislation that he's been pushing for in Florida, because a lot of that has parallels to the legislation here in Iowa that we've seen this past year. So it makes sense for him to bring that up. Um, I, I do wonder, though, with him, if he'll be talking about Trump at all, even if it's just alluding to him in some way. So, yeah, that that's often the most interesting thing. I, I think we know how that's going to work in the other direction, whether Donald Trump will meant to mention Ron DeSantis. I don't think you can even bet on that one. I think that one's uh, <laughs> off the board. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're not even going to get odds on that one. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is it. And especially with the news that Trump made this week between the stuff he said during his town hall and, and obviously the, uh, the jury uh, verdict uh, holding him liable for, um, um, and forgive me if I don't have the right legal term, but, uh, but assaulting a, a woman from, from a few years back, um, whether Ron DeSantis mentions any of those things um i'll i'll i want to get anybody else who wants to too over here but uh, todd uh, as the podcaster here uh with the most populous cycles under his belt uh, i want to give you first crack at this um and this is coming this is genuinely a question coming from me because it feels to me like i have this thought that this is a big moment in this caucus campaign which as i say that out loud seems silly i mean we're literally like eight or nine months away from the actual caucuses still that's a ridiculous amount of time between now and when Republicans will actually caucus. But at the same time, I just can't shake that feeling that this feels like a big moment in this cycle, a big day with both of these candidates in Iowa on the same day, um, talking to these Iowa Republicans and, and making their case, the front runners in the field. Am I overthinking it or, or, or do you do you think this is a, a key moment in this cycle? Well, you mentioned I have a lot of caucus cycles under my belt. Maybe that explains why I have to keep buying a bigger belt. So, so thanks for thanks for clarifying. I've been wondering. I thought maybe just my clothes was shrinking. Um, so, you know, I think not so much maybe for Trump. Is it that big? I mean, he's Trump's going to come here and be Trump. He's going to have his supporters. They've heard his, you know, ninety minutes of of ramblings 
soliloquy before. Uh, he's obviously been here a lot. I think it's probably a much bigger deal for DeSantis because this is sort of his big, his first big campaign trip that's going to be under a lot of scrutiny. And he's sort of new at this. And 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 frankly, the review, the early reviews have not been kind to to Ron DeSantis. I I expect that uh, when he gets to where is his first event in Sioux City? Did you say is that Sioux Center? Sioux Center. I expect that there will be a big banner that says. Uh, North Florida welcomes you, and that is only my joke. This does not reflect the State House press corps in any way. It is solely, it is solely my, my wisecrack. No one else is to blame. But I mean, and and he is coming to a state where I mean, Kim Reynolds has followed his playbook pretty closely, and so he'll have a lot to talk about and gloat about. And I, you know, I expect he'll be pretty well received and probably get some good crowds from curious Republicans who want to take their measure, you know, as they say, kick the tires, what, whatever the metaphor you want to pick. Uh, but, but I think from a national press and a local press and just media and Republican uh, uh, voters here from those aspects, I think he's going to be more closely evaluated than Trump. Trump's going to come in, do a rally He's done it a million times before. Uh, I mean, the timing is is interesting, given that he was that the jury just uh, uh, ruled that he was liable for. I think it was sexual abuse was the was the term. Uh, I'll be interested to see. I mean, we've seen re- Republican office holders in Iowa sort of show up at these campaign events. I mean, the governor has been at with Nikki Haley and various candidates. I'll be interested to see how many. Republican elected officials show up and if any of them stand on the stage or introduce Donald Trump and give us some signal that they don't care about his his legal woes. Well, so that's an interesting thing with both yeah. events happening on the same day, too. You know, do they try to get to both if they're consider themselves, you know, the hosts uh, of these things or, or do they pick one or the other for those types of, of folks? That's a good point, Todd. Yeah. yeah. And on Wednesday, uh, Trump's campaign announced, um, at least as of that time, the guest speakers for his event, and it didn't include any um, elected congressional or uh, representatives, senators, or the governor. Um, whether that's a scheduling thing or they're going to cut, they're going to be announced later. Not sure, but um, that's just an interesting, interesting thought there. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, if they keep their distance, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, to me, based on what's happening, that's a smart decision, but. I, you know, what's smart and all of this, I, I don't know. You haven't <laughs> I mean, been I, consulted on this? I, I think <laughs> it would have been smart to throw them overboard a long time ago. But <laughs> so I, you know, every time I think, oh, this is, we're finally going to see this happen. It, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. The the fact that he's um coming here, Trump, that he's coming here when he is after the way that this week has gone for him, I think it's only going to lead to even warmer of a reception than he would usually yeah. get anyway coming here because he'll be coming after, you know, the verdict in New York and a, a CNN town hall where everyone was really unfair to him in the eyes of his supporters. And so now that he's back in Iowa, he can he can get that warm embrace from people. Yeah. Well, I mean, we saw that live in real time during the town hall, right, when he was with the folks who were in that room that were literally applauding and, and uh, laughing uh, as he um, – 
made derogatory comments about the woman who he was literally just um, found uh, liable for um, abusing. Um, well, and, he, and he, and you know, and and his reaction afterwards and all the stuff we tweeted, he may have talked himself into another lawsuit. The, uh, I saw that. The woman yeah. who just sued him is thinking about suing him about all the, the defaming yeah. things he said afterwards. I, I've heard a lot, you know, from people about uh, New York jury. And of course, it's a New York prosecutor that he's indicted. And it just makes me chuckle. We just wasn't that long ago. We set up a fake real estate office in the state, you know, the, the Iowa Department of Economic uh, well, it's not development anymore. What is it? The authority, authority. the economic mm-hmm. development authority. Remember, they set up the fake real estate office in New York to show New Yorkers what <laughs> great right. houses we have in Iowa, so they can move here. And now, now maybe they're not welcome anymore after they they're so mean <laughs> to Trump. <laughs> uh, Tom, Caleb, you're going to be in Des Moines for the Trump event. Tom, you're covering DeSantis uh, in Cedar Rapids. Uh, you guys have anything to add to this? What you're going to be looking for as as we uh, I'll cover these candidates in this uh, big day. Yeah, I'm just curious what the um, Trump supporters ha- are, are going to, you know, have to say about um, the news that, that we've all um, just been talking about here. And, and I can imagine um, general thoughts that I don't think that they would um, that, that 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 they think the uh, jury decision was fair or, or accurate. And then, you know, I think that they'll. I, I'm curious to hear what they say about the the town hall. Um, but yeah, I'm curious about that. And then just, um, you know, how many people there are, uh, as Jerry kind of mentioned, committed to Trump or open to, um, you know, looking for their options and, and what, if any of the kind of recent turmoil has, has affected that idea. Yeah. And to your first point, Caleb, the rally will be a tough way to measure that kind of reaction. Cause I don't want to rule out the possibility that this, didn't affect this week didn't affect any trump supporters or any trump people that were maybe on the fence because it's possible that it did i, I thought i i and I, I forgive my memory here I, I should be able to cite this better but i i remember seeing a story this week that talked about some of the people who actually who were in that audience who uh, talked to reporters afterwards and one or two were a little bit you know um affected by the way trump talked about uh, some of those issues during the tom hall the thing is anybody who's like that probably isn't coming to the trump rally right Right. well if the people who are there probably aren't to your point if if they made the effort to be there that day the odds are this doesn't move the needle for them right but what it what it might do, though, is it might hurt um, Trump's chances or ability to try and woo Iowa's influential evangelical voters mm-hmm. over over to his side. Um, you know, those voters who are. Um, so I talked to to, to a couple of um, uh, uh, Republican voters um, who. Uh, attended the Johnson County um, GOP dinner that um, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, spoke at. And I talked to a, uh, one evangelical voter who um, uh, was a, a Ted Cruz supporter in 2016 and um, said that, um, sorry, I'm just pulling up my notes really quickly here, but, you know, essentially said that, um you know, um, for evangelical voters like himself, um, the jury verdict, you know, didn't really do anything to sway them over to Trump, right? Um, 
you know, they he said that um, evangelicals voters like himself are looking for a a, a, a personal story um, that aligns with their um, belief system, with their with their faith, um, and that um, you know it's ridiculous to think that things like the jury verdict, you know, don't matter to them. Um, yep. And so that might just, you know, push them to, or, or I guess he actually said, so what that does is it provides an opening for other candidates like Tim Scott and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy um, to, um, yeah, to, to potentially garner some support from those evangelical voters in Iowa. The, the thing I would say is that um, obviously a, a, a ruling where you're found liable and you're going to have to pay out $5 million is a big deal but you know he was on recordings that people could hear right before the 2016 election bragging about the same kind of stuff and eventually the evangelical voters mostly came home to him and, and voted for him and then supported him fervently for for four years so i i don't know that if an audio recording where you can actually hear the man himself saying something didn't you know send a lot of people running for the hills i don't know if a, a court ruling especially in a place like New York, a very liberal state is going to, is going to sway a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It'll obviously be interesting. Um, the only difference here is there's also a, a record in between then and now and, and including an, in an electoral record that, that mm -hmm. may also factor into that decision. If, uh, but, but, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting um, point and, and an interesting um process that will play out obviously in Iowa here where that's a huge percentage of the uh, Republican primary elected electorate so something we'll obviously be watching over these next few months and um, uh, just to remind you again as we said going around the horn here Jared's going to be in Sioux Center Caleb and I'll be in Des Moines uh, down at Waterworks Park where I'm already having nightmares about the logistics of that but that's my problem the, mine and Caleb's problem you don't all have to worry about <laughs> uh, Tom will be in Cedar Rapids um, hopefully Todd will be just on his deck and enjoying a, a drink and toasting all of us and, uh, far away from the fray I'll be I'll be glued to C-SPAN for Every moment, oh man, and and uh, I'll be waiting. That there's a, I think there's a poll out Sunday that puts DeSantis up against several very popular Disney characters, and I'll be anxious to see how how that turns out. I I think he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna fare very well. He might be grumpy, the the, the dwarf, but and maybe that what was the 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 witch's name in Snow White that gave her the poison apple. I'm not I, falling for that again, Todd. I'm not answering that question. I can't. I can't remember. But yeah, it'll that'll be interesting to see. I think it's Miami Herald poll, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Is that? A, oh my gosh, that'll be interesting. No, it's. Um, I'm making it up. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would have believed it. It's. A, I actually believe that. I. It's I a, mean, it's a know. poll. I wish would happen. So I'm putting it out. I'm putting it out into the ether to I see. I see. Uh, public policy polling uh, doing a poll oh, like that. They've done. That, yeah, that you know? would definitely be something they could do <laughs> and should do it very soon. All right. But anyways, obviously, the team uh, here will be out on the ground um, uh, this weekend. So make sure uh, you check out all our coverage. Uh, we got a game plan for you that we think is going to 
um, hopefully be really enlightening about uh, where things stand right now, uh, especially in this uh, weekend with both of these candidates uh, in town at the same time. So uh, watch your favorite Gazette and Lee newspaper uh, and websites for that coverage throughout the weekend. Uh, and obviously we'll talk about it on next week's podcast. That's it for this edition though. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends and subscribe to us on streaming audio services like iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. And now that you've heard the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team and some fun musical theater and sports references. You can subscribe to that free newsletter at the Gazette website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Muscatine Journal, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Mason City Globe Gazette, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Sioux City Journal. Dream Thieves will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Tom Barton, Caleb McCullough, Jared McNett, Todd Dorman, and our producer, Stephen Colbert, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks for listening.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.